welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello and welcome back to season four. I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving holiday. If you're in the States or if you celebrated elsewhere like we did, we had a small celebration here in Copenhagen, just our little family, and it was very nice, although we did miss being with our families. In any case, we are back and we're ready to spend a few more weeks with you here in season four. This week's guest is another person we've chatted with before, our friend who we call Kay. You might remember back in season two, during our global mission season, we talked with Kay about her work in accessed challenged nations. If you missed that chat, I highly encourage you to go find it. It will explain why we are keeping her identity a little bit under wraps and why if you're watching on YouTube, you can only see me today and not our guest. In addition to bringing deep, insightful wisdom, Kay also brought a lot of laughter to the show when she was on before. And we had an absolute blast. Today's conversation is a lot more of the same. We're talking about how to take a Christian approach to the news, politics, current events, all the things that seem to divide us in society and sadly, often also in the church. We are doing our best to hash it out. And as she has done in every conversation I've had with her, Kay opened my mind and my eyes to a different perspective than I've had on this issue. There's also some truly wild shenanigans that go on at the end of this episode. I won't spoil it for you, but it was an absolute first for me as a podcaster, so stay tuned for that. There is a ton to get you thinking today, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with my friend Kay. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Good Question. (laughs) Welcome back to Good Question. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you again. Um, we had so much fun last time and I couldn't see your face then and I can see your face now. Nobody else can, um, but I can. And so I'm excited about this. We, the last time we talked, which was back in season two, we talked about access challenge nations and that conversation was amazing. And we went into some like deep discussion and when the recording ended, we continued having amazing conversation. (laughs) And so I'm excited to bring more of uh, that to our listeners and our YouTube viewers. So introduce yourself again, tell everybody who you are as much as you can. Well, Jessica, um, as you have well said, (laughs) my name is, I guess we'll say Kay, we'll just say that. Um, I'm so excited to be here again, because we had so much fun last time. And I, I was born and raised in the South. And we don't invite ourselves places because that, <laughs> like somebody's great grandma is going to resurrect and thank mm-hmm. you if that happens. You know, like, you do not do that. And in my heart, I was like, I want to do this again. <laughs> I want to just talk to her again. But, um, but I didn't say anything. And so whenever you reached out again to want to have another conversation, I was tickled to do it. So I'm <laughs> 
Um, my name is Kay. As I said before, I am born or I was born and raised in the South. Now I've kind of relocated ish to the Midwest. That is quite a cultural difference. Um, I do a lot of work in Access Challenge Nations. I love people of all races, all religions, all ethnicities, and I am a student of people. I'm a student mm-hmm. of culture, and I just love learning more about people, really. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do. Um, my husband resides here in the Midwest. He comes with me as much as he can. He has um, a couple of jobs here, actually, and we're just navigating life as newlyweds. Hopefully, we'll be newlyweds forever. And um, <laughs> And yeah, so that's, that's pretty much about me. Yes. So much, um, cool experience that you have. And I could sit and probably pick your brain about things forever. Um, but this particular conversation that I wanted to have you back for was talking about something that's kind of, I don't know, um, a pet topic of mine, a hobby of mine, like something I'm really passionate about. And it's, fun to find somebody that also has perspective on it that I can learn from. And also, um, I don't know, it's just fun to me. It is anyway. And that is, um, our relationship as Christians to the news and what's going on in politics and current events, both in the U S and then around the world. So, um, little behind the scenes, good question. Majority of our listeners are in the United States, but not all of them are. So mm-hmm. we also have listeners in Canada. We also have some listeners here in Denmark. Woot, woot. And wow. we have people also in other parts of the world, which is always really fun to see whenever we pull up our analytics and see like where people are listening from. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this conversation probably will focus on kind of an American, North American perspective. That's but it. I think that these um, topics apply regardless of where we are, um, because we're all the body of Christ. And so that's kind of where we're going to be today. Um, and so, like I said, I enjoy keeping up with the news, um, following current events and politics and those kinds of things I have since I was a kid. Um, I used to go to my grandparents' house after school and my grandpa always had the newspaper. And so I started reading the newspaper whenever I was, you know, preteen teenager and, um, registered to vote as soon as I turned 18 and all those things. (laughs) So I want to hear from you. What's your, what's been your experience? What's your, what's your relationship to those kinds of things? I I don't know how the majority of your listeners feel about the Enneagram, which here's the deal. If, if you don't feel kindly toward the Enneagram, I don't want you to reflect that toward the podcast host, (laughs) literally toward her friend. Um, I'm an Enneagram seven, which means I don't love bad news. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't love anything that would make me feel any sort of pain. Um, and then that wings over to an eight with anybody that knows the Enneagram, which means I have a strong core against injustice. Um, yeah. So, and, and if, if you have any other personality tests that you want to apply that you like more than the others, just apply those two principles about me. I don't love pain and I have a strong, strong core against injustice. So I grew up like you going to my grandparents' house, my grandmother's house, and she would be either watching Fox News or CNN. Um, she was heavy on stocks. She was watching the Dow Jones. She <laughs> uh, always had some had some stuff going on. Watching watching different things. She would teach me different things about the stock market. You know, she would have the newspaper out, and it it just felt like until nine eleven, really, 
in America, the news was semi okay. I mean, maybe that would just that that speaks to like my age. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a child really when nine eleven happened, or preteen, teenager ish. Um, and so, so pre nine eleven, I felt like the news was semi. I wouldn't say accurate. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. you know, go as strong as to say a hundred percent accurate. And we still had true journalism. I, I wouldn't go wouldn't go as far as to say that. But I did grow up with, I would say, a healthy ish relationship with the news. The mm-hmm. news was just there. You know, mm-hmm. it was not bombarded. Billboards were to sell things. You know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't with a political agenda or anything like that. Fast forward into 9-11 and then everyone st- I felt, this is just my personal opinion, everyone kind of got glued to the news. Mm. Anything that the news was saying, because that was how we watched the Twin Towers fall, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's, that's how we watched everything happen. And it felt like to me, maybe that was just a very formative time of my life. So I'll just go ahead and maybe give credit to that. It felt like to me that after that point of 9-11, everything just got increasingly evil. Maybe that was my worldview. So I'll, mm. if that wasn't everyone's you know, um, experience, it's totally fine. Maybe that was just my worldview. Everything just got increasingly more confusing and people started being glued to the news because right after that, President Bush declared the war on terror, you know, invaded all of these, you know, all of these different things. And people are, uh, I, I just felt even in the hallways at school as, as a kid, you know, ever, did you see the news? Did you see the news? Did you, did you see what President Bush did? Did you see what this happened? You know, and all of these things. So my relationship with the news from an early age was like, if you want to turn that on, you're going to feel pain. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to watch that TV screen, you're going to feel pain. If you if you open up the newspaper, you're going to see something a little a little darker. Mm-hmm. So my relationship with the news probably from I I don't know maybe eleven twelve even into like nineteen. You know, um, I would say you know what I'll, I'll be generous and say even twenty one like my teenage years. I would hear um, people talking about it at coffee shops. I would see newspapers. I would totally avoid to- mm-hmm. just totally avoid all this stuff. Um, then, you know, registered to vote, all of these things. And it's like, oh, well, who do you vote for? And that's a politic conversation that I'm not even going to go into <laughs> if you want to maybe later. Um, but then there was this resurgence of news. I feel like whenever, um, social media really took off, mm-hmm. um, Instagram, Twitter, now we have TikTok. Um, for a long time, I got the majority of my news from Twitter because you have your older demographic that was still signing on to AOL. They they were still signing on to Yahoo news, you know, and they were, (laughs) if you're, you know, if you're also like 85 years old, like my husband, you still do. He's not 85. This is not gross. (laughs) But but I'm, I'm just saying, so like, so people were still signing on, on their laptops, you know, and then this younger generation, they're they're saying, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to go to the news tab on Twitter. And that's how I saw most of my news. Granted, I was from the South, so I was keeping up with the news generally to see when a hurricane was coming, mm-hmm. honestly, <laughs> you know, just to figure out when that was happening. But then it started morphing into you, you see school shootings and you see attacks and you see um, different things happening. And if you're not on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook or, or wherever, if you're not on one of these social media sites, you really can miss it for days. Truly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I started seeing this shift of the news being streamed or propagated, however you want to say it, from social media platforms. Mm-hmm. 
And that was a place where I couldn't turn that. You can turn that newspaper over whenever I'm 14 years old. You know, you can't, I mean, you can scroll fast, but you don't know what's yeah. how, how you're going to scroll again. Like you don't, yeah. you don't know how that's going to happen. And so my relationship with the news has been um, initially avoiding it, initially totally oblivious. But then especially in 2020, whenever nobody knows what's going on and yeah. everybody's sitting on their phones, that was when I want to say 2020 was when the news really caught up to me. Mm. And you had no, I mean, you, you had, unless you had just extreme self-control, which I'll raise my hand and say, I did not sitting on your phone all day. You were sitting on a device all day during 2020 yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. Then all the misinformation that starts happening, you know, and so you don't know what to believe. And then all of a sudden you wonder why this fear and this panic and this anxiety is, is inside of you, but you can't turn your phone off. Mm-hmm. So, all of that to say my relationship with the news was like harsh avoidance mm-hmm. until I couldn't mm-hmm. anymore. And then it started suffocating me. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it, it's really hard. And this is one of the things I want to talk about, which is like, it's really hard to find a healthy middle. Yeah. It, like either that, that's what I hear from people is either you're consumed with it mm-hmm. and, and that's what you're going to all the time, which I will say is, what I would tend towards right, is wanting to know and then wanting to like deep dive on these different topics. And I want to know all the details and I want of things that like do not apply to my life. Like, you know, I'm just interested, but, or you go to the extreme of like, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what any of this, what's true. I can't just determine like who's telling the truth and who's, you know, pushing an agenda. And so I, I don't want to think about it. And so I just ignore it which I can see and understand because there have been times when I'm like, I want to just take a break from this. It's stressing me out. Mm-hmm. But also like, you kind of need to know what's going on. <laughs> like, you need to know if there's a hurricane um, yeah. or you, know, you need to know if there's a pandemic and what's happening. And it's so funny. You're talking about 9-11 and yeah, like the Yahoo News uh, tab. I was a senior in high school on 9-11 mm-hmm. and I worked in the afternoons in an office and I had a you know, I had my little desktop computer and my homepage was, I think probably MSN news at the time. Yeah. And one, something that I remember from that time is that every day I'd open up my computer and it would be that front page. And it was well over a year after nine 11 that I opened that up. And that was not every single story mm-hmm. on the front page of that, um, website, something to do with the attacks, the investigation, the war, like it was continuous for a solid year that that was the only thing I would see when I opened that up. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting that you mentioned that being like a turning point uh, in how we as a nation consumed news. I, I haven't thought, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're probably right that it really was when the world shook and we didn't, we, we were caught off guard then suddenly we're like, wait a minute, what are all the things we haven't been paying attention to? Right, you know? right. And, and what, what do we need, need to do now? And then we all kind of swung to another extreme probably. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just find that for Christians, extremes are never the yeah. way to be right. Like, is that a safe thing to say? <laughs> I, okay. So like, let's, let's take it back to Jesus. Like, was he extreme? What was the extreme thing he did? Love. Yeah. He loved extremely. I mean, it, it brought him to death on the cross. 
But with these with these things that were undoubtedly happening during that time of the time of Jesus, and we may be we may be going off on a rabbit trail here, so just you know just bring me back whenever whenever I get too far off the rails. I something that's kind of driving me nuts right now is that I'm hearing um, in some churches. I'm hearing on in some conversations, and I understand why people would say this. I'm I'm not harshly against it, um, but just a little boldly against it. But <laughs> but I'm hearing in some conversations. This is the worst time in the history of history. We are we are living in the worst days of history, and like Jessica, there's this there's this little child in me that's screaming and like throwing. Yes tantrum and, and reading like Encyclopedia Britannica and saying this is not the worst time in history. Like let's just give a just a quick example to Emperor Hadrian of Rome, who I'm thinking maybe 76 AD, who had who was known for crazy, crazy evil and um, homosexual pedophilia and slavery. I mean, put his put his favorite child on a coin. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm just feeling like we're not living in the worst time of history. Um, and the news makes us feel, especially mm-hmm. as Christians, like we're living in the worst time in history. And unfortunately, I'm seeing that the news is dictating the end times and the worst times to us whenever the Bible needs to be dictating the end times. I do believe that we're in the end times, but we are very much, we're very much walking a slippery slope whenever we let the news dictate the end times or mm-hmm. the news dictate the worst times. And so whenever it comes to this, this um, extremism of like being consumed with the news or not being consumed with the news, I would, I, I would be very foolish to say that I've mastered the healthy medium, but I can share with what I'm working toward. Yeah. Um, I can't turn off social media as far as like what is being pushed at me. You know, I can't, no matter how hard you filter, no matter if you unfollow this, 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 you know, then, then you run the risk of creating a bias and an algorithm that's totally catered to your worldview. And that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how much you curate, how much you, you unfollow or refollow or whatever. It doesn't matter how much you do that. You're going to be hit with news. So how, how do you, how do you live in this world and not be an alien? Mm-hmm. And how, how do you exist with that, but not letting it clog down your mind? And this yeah. is just something that I'm offered that I'm working on. I have totally taken an objective point to the news because I don't know what's true and what's not true. And I, it takes too much energy to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. It takes mm-hmm. too much energy for me. I can't do it. I can't do mm-hmm. it. I look at, okay, my people around me, my community around me, that hopefully we're all surrounding ourselves with a very diverse community because that's exactly what heaven's going to look like. Mm-hmm. People that don't look like us, talk like us, dress like us, think like us, vote like us. And I'm looking at at all of these people around me and I'm saying, how is the news affecting you? Mm-hmm. And, then, and they will say, well, I don't like this or I don't like this. Then the second question, the good question, why? Mm-hmm. Why don't, what is this inside? What is this inciting inside of you? What is this making you feel? Mm-hmm. And Jessica, 10 out of 10 times, 
that I ask some of those, like the second, the third question with some of our students, with some of my friends, they will get so emotional and they will say, well, this is what this means for my group of people, for my demographic of people. And I'm like, let's talk about that. Where's the church failing on that? Mm. How are you? How are you feeling? So, so spinning the news into a positive as far as, as far as not something that divides us. Mm. Hey, what is, what is this drawing out of you right now? Mm-hmm. What is, what is this making you feel right now? And I just, I don't, I don't know if, if that makes sense to a lot of people, but especially namely with the, with the BLM um, stuff that came out in 2020, you know, I shut my mouth and I opened my ears in a mm. huge, huge way because a lot of people made a, made terrible mistakes and said, Oh, this, you know, this stuff doesn't happen. This is just fake news or whatever. These are very real things that have been happening to our African-American friends all of their lives, mm-hmm. all of their lives. Mm-hmm. And the important thing might not have been action, justice. I mean, yes, those things were important, but to a specific person one-on-one, you know, some of them did not even know George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Some of them did not even know Ahmaud Arbery. They, they didn't know that, but it was what that represented inside of them. Mm-hmm. It was how that affected them. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was it was bringing back things that had happened to their families, to their grandparents, and more and more importantly, of just spouting off your opinion about the news. Sitting down with a child of God, like with a friend of God, in fellowship with the gospel, and saying, "How how is this making you feel? How is this affecting you right now?" So, in in summary of all of that, I think that we have to guard ourselves to be to be very um, unbiased toward the news. And as the news truly is used as a tool to divide us, we have to figure out a way to reframe that. We have to figure out a way to de-weaponize that, Mm. use that as a unifier and say, okay, this bad thing's happening in the world. Let's talk about, let's, let's unify together. Let's talk about this. How Mm. is it making you feel? Let's let's bear each other, bear each other's burdens for a second. Yeah. And it's, it's turning the tables on what, what it feels like so many news outlets are after, which is outrage and fear. Right. Because those things sell. Mm -hmm. If I'm outraged and I'm fearful, I'm going to keep coming back to your page to find out what's going on. I'm going to keep clicking on your links to find out what, find out. And so it's like, if we can step back and say like, no, there is a, there is a godly perspective. There is a kingdom perspective to these things. And where is it? Yeah. And I think you're right it's going to always be in the extreme of love. Mm-hmm. The godly perspective is going to, is going to take you to where Jesus was, which was the only extreme he had was love. Mm-hmm. And so I'm even thinking about myself. So like all the things that have been going on in Ukraine and with Russia and um, I mean, we're here in Denmark right now. And so it's coming a little bit closer to home. Like they're discussing the energy situation here and the upcoming winter and what it could mean for, you know, Uh, heating in our homes, literally, um, Mm. because of what's going on. And so I can get into like a mindset of, um, this is terrible and I can't believe this. And, oh, it's so tragic and so horrible, which it is horribly Mm. tragic and scary and awful. And yesterday I see the video that comes out of the church in Kiev talking about the revival that they're having in the middle of a war. And I was like, Lord, my, my perspective has been so off. Yeah. Um, I've been consumed with 
the outrage and the fear <laughs> and the tragedy. And you're doing something in the middle of this that I have completely missed. Yeah. Like it, it really um, reminded me that as much as I can, and I say I enjoy, I have a tendency to want to to feed on what's going on in the world and to be well-informed and to know, but that's not always giving me the kingdom perspective that I need to have. Right, right. And he's doing something bigger than what we see in our news, in our political parties, in our events that are happening, you know, in our communities, he's doing something bigger. And if all I'm looking at is my news tab, then I'm not getting that. Yeah. You know, it has to be balanced out with time in the word and, and time listening to people doing the work of God on the ground saying like, no, this is what we're seeing. No, this is what's happening in our churches. No, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so where do I get more of that? So, oh man, my brain is going (laughs) podcasting two and a half hours long for the listeners. Um, my mind is going somewhere. And again, like if I rabbit trail, just bring me back. I'm wondering how Simon the Zealot and Matthew coexisted as, as disciples. Like mm-hmm. I wonder, you want to talk about right and left, mm. whichever one you want to uh, assign, you know, <laughs> like to, to whichever part. I'm wondering how they coexisted as disciples of Christ because they had their own news source. They had Fox and they had CNN. Mm. They had... They had their own news source and they both had to make a choice of like, I'm going to forsake this and I'm going to listen to the words of the king. Mm. I'm going to draw closer and I'm going to listen to the words of the king. And that, I mean, to forsake their own political party, if you will, you know, I just, I think they're prime examples for the, to be disciples of Christ in my, in my opinion, I draw so much strength from the disciples of all the variety that Jesus chose to follow him and to, to speak with them and the patience that he had to talk with them. And the thing that I love whenever I'm trying to put myself as a, excuse me, as a disciple of Christ in that time frame, the thing that I try to, to go to is that confrontation with the Pharisees at all times. People mm-hmm. think that Satan is like the villain of the Bible. Satan's been defeated. He's not. The true villain of the Bible, in my opinion, has always been the Pharisees and always will be. Always will Mm -hmm. be. And so for those disciples of different political parties to watch as, you know, half of the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to admit that he's this so that that will align with their political party because something was up for election. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I probably should be taking notes on the things that I'm saying right now. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more to study here. But I, but anyway, I'm, so this isn't a fully developed thought, which could be dangerous. So censor this out, producer. But <laughs> the Pharisees were, were trying to trap Jesus in his words according to their political party. According to who was up for election or what they, they wanted to, to happen. So they were trying to filter Jesus's words for their preference, for what would happen. And with the news that was going on probably in that time, Rome was trying to take over everything. Mm -hmm. Rome was trying to take over everything. So what they were trying to do is, is 
seek the end time, I guess, maybe seek some prophecy, seek, you know, are you really the one that has come to deliver us? Like, are, are you really the one that has come? And he's over here saying, this is not going to happen in the way that you have curated the news or the news has curated you to think that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But listen to my words mm-hmm. very carefully. You're going to need to go and tarry in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to wait and stop and stop listening to everybody else and wait for my spirit. And then you will be endued with power from on high. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then you will be endued. So, so how do, how do we do this? You know, I, I wish that there was a step-by-step plan in, in the scripture, but I think we can learn a lot from Simon the Zealot. I think we can learn a lot from Matthew, the tax collector. We can clearly learn a lot from Jesus. But the fact that those men after Jesus died still coexisted and were unified around his words, I think that speaks to the pattern of what we need to seek for. Yeah. What gets me about that whole story is that even the people that were walking closely with him who knew who he was. So Peter, who knows this is the Christ, like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say it, I'm not scared to say it. Mm-hmm. When the guards show up in the garden, Peter's the one drawing the sword. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's going down. Here we go. Yeah. Like he's here and he's going to reign. And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> still no, Peter. Still like, no. <laughs> still no. And then I, I imagine how devastated Peter must feel when Jesus dies. And he's like, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. Even though Jesus has been telling him all this time, like this is not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And that's why I love, um, you know, that scene at the end of when Jesus has risen and he comes back and he asks Peter again, yeah. will you follow me now? Like, yeah. Now that you know this is not going the way that you've envisioned it, oh, the way that, that you've taught it, the way that you've been taught mm-hmm. by your religious leaders, like I'm not doing what they thought I'm going to do. Are you still going to follow? Yeah. And like the commitment that Peter makes at that point is so much more powerful than the one he makes in the beginning to follow Jesus because right. he now he knows, okay, no, this is not a revolution. This mm-hmm. is not what I thought it was, but it's still worth doing right? to the point of my death. You know what I'm saying? And so it just reminds me like how many things they got wrong. Like how many things are we getting wrong? But like you said, we're, we're looking for our answers in the news. We're looking for things that line up with what we think is going to happen instead of looking to the word and listening to the spirit to tell us what's actually going on. And you see even Peter's posture, it totally changes from violence and anger even, and even, you know what, even expectation of how he was born and raised and, and, and proud, proud to be a Jew, proud to be of this Hebrew culture. You know, it changes his total posture to where then he was faced with uniting people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I won't even get into like his, his feuds with Paul, you know, or anything like that, but still he was faced with, with um, the focus came from fighting a physical war of victory to fighting for unity with people mm-hmm. and you know, the whole don't, don't look at something that we, that I've cleansed and call it common. You know, the whole, it changed the, the perspective totally changed from surface to deeper level of extreme love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that they didn't have news sources back then, but they were totally faced with, with prejudice. They were, they were faced with bias they were faced with decisions of even political party. They, they were faced with this and they had to make a choice. And I feel like mm-hmm. as Christians, we all have to make a choice. Jesus has died. He's risen again. 
And he's asking all of us, will you follow me? Will you follow my voice mm-hmm. in spite of everything that you hear? So do, I mean, do I feel that we need to totally turn off the news? I do feel that it's very good to turn it off if you feel overloaded. Mm-hmm. I feel it's very good to be in tune with your own body, your own spirit, your own mind of like, hey, this is just too much for me right now. I'm overstimulated. I need, I need to, you know, shut all of this off and hear from the voice of God. But I also do feel that it's good to know what's going on with the motivation, with the intention of, okay, how can I help the body during this time? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you just a quick example. Uh, when the war in Ukraine popped off, I have several friends in Ukraine, uh, one very, very close friend of mine that's Ukrainian. And I was talking to her uh, every single day, just trying to just trying to be present. I had no words of wisdom. I've never been in, through what she's going through right now. Just trying to be present, asking how she's doing, if I can if I can do anything for her. And I was praying about it one day, and I noticed that most of the refugees are going through Poland. And I was praying, and the Lord just spoke to me very clearly and said, "Go to Poland and love those people. They're my people. Love my people." And I had no um, connection to anyone in Poland, so I, you know, talked to the Lord, talked to my husband, and I talked to my brother who does a lot of uh, video stuff. And I said, hey, man, you know, do you want to do you want to go over to Poland and maybe film some stuff like have some interviews with some refugees, love on them? He was like, absolutely. And before I went, there were so many people that told me they were like, well, Poland's about to get invaded right now. You can't go over there. Poland's about to get invaded right now. All of the stuff, the war is fake, like it's totally fake. And and it's because of the news sources that they were listening to. And I had to look at several people that I love very dearly and say, Jesus told me to go to Poland and to love his people. And when I got there, there was no news bias that was spinning anything that I was seeing. The war in Ukraine is not fake. It is (laughs) very, very real. Poland did not get invaded whenever I was there. Poland still has not gotten invaded. And I pray to God that they don't. But there's just a difference in having to make a decision in what God is telling you to do and how God is telling you to love his people versus what the news can or how the news can incite so much fear in you and talk you out of doing exactly what God has asked you to do. And that was the prime lesson that I've learned throughout all of these things. And I'm not saying all the news is fake. I mean, I think that a lot of it is fake. I think a lot of it is is twisted and spun to whatever narrative. Um, but I do believe that that there is a lot of revelation and there's a lot of insight and knowledge if we would just shut everything off every once in a while and say, okay, God, what do you think about this? And it's always, always 10 out of 10 times, 100% going to come back to his love for his children. Yeah. Yeah. And any, and and what I'm realizing is that the enemy will use whatever he can to combat us recognizing that. Like he doesn't want us to love one another the way that Christ loves the church. Like he doesn't want us spreading the love of God. Um, That's, that's the opposite of what he wants. And so if he can get us to believe that on either side, that this news source or that political party or this leader or that leader, like they're the ones that have the voice of God. Yeah. And so everything they're saying is right. Yeah. And, and they're, 
saying and doing things that are pitting you against other people, then we've missed it. Totally. Period. Whichever side of it, it is. Totally missed it. The thing that gets me the most whenever I, something big happens in the world and everyone has to comment on it, right? The thing that gets me the most is that we talk about one another like we're stupid or crazy or evil. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, if you believe that you have to be stupid or you have to be crazy or you're just downright evil. And in most cases, that's not the case. Like, Mm -hmm. are there people who are stupid, crazy, or probably, but most people that hold a position have done so through their experience, through their own research, or through, you know, a life perspective that I don't share. Right, right. And so the loving thing to do is not tell you how dumb you are for believing that, or demonize you for believing this thing is to sit down with you and say, like you said, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Why yeah. do you support this? Why do you vote this way? Um, and to then really examine the same things about ourselves. Like, what is it about this thing that really sets me off? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and is it is that from the Lord or is that from something right. that's trying to draw me away from loving people? Right, right. What? Who? Who is it a tool of? Mm. Who, who is who is the news a tool of? Is it a tool? to maybe bring people together. And I mean, I, I just, I feel like we are missing so many opportunities with the body of Christ, especially during BLM, especially during Black Lives Matter. People were so focused on getting a statement of how they felt out there. And I totally understand that that that, that was very, very important because we should unite around love. We should. But we missed so many important conversations with our Mm -hmm. African-American brothers and sisters. We missed so many important conversations to say, hey, tell me what you're afraid of right now. Because Mm -hmm. what cast out fear? Perfect Mm -hmm. love. And if we would have been agents of perfect love in that moment, we could have totally disintegrated some of their fear and say, hey, no, nothing's going to happen. I'm standing with you. I'm standing Mm -hmm. with you. I'm standing with you as a child of God. Yeah. I mean, I've even seen it literally today, whenever I opened up my social media and I see, you know, see a a Christian godly person, all respect for this person, but referencing, you know, something that's a hot button topic in the news. And then just being like, well, we shouldn't be talking about that. We should just be focusing that, you know, Jesus loves you and he's coming back soon. And I'm like, yes, but (laughs) yes, but also if someone finds what this is happening to be so egregiously offensive yeah, and so egregiously uh, terrible and is causing fear and causing for us to just be like, Oh, ignore that. Jesus loves you. It's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing as sitting down and saying, I want to hear about why this bothers you so much. Yeah. And I want to tell you that you're right. (laughs) God does not, God does not love does not, does not promote hate towards anyone. You're right. Like I want to be, I want to affirm what you're feeling. And also Mm -hmm. in a world that's going crazy, Jesus loves you and wants to change your life. Like it's two different, it's two different sentiments. It is two different sentiments. And look at, look at the conversations that Jesus was not afraid of. You know, disciples sat down and was like, Hey, see, we're getting taxed like crazy. Like, this is not even fair. And he just says, okay, well, this is this is how I feel about it. But he wasn't afraid of conversations. He didn't run away from conversations with, with different things. He just, he said, 
who, who are people saying that I am? He wasn't even afraid to address <laughs> what people thought about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> saying that I am. Well, some say you're this, some say you're that, you know, and he offered revelation in the midst of those hard conversations mm-hmm. for Peter to say, you are, you're the Christ, you're the son of the mm-hmm. living God. So I, I just think, I think that we're missing it a lot, especially with, with news. Now, as far as intake and, and how much we're, we're taking in, I mean, I don't know if you want to go into a part two, (laughs) moderation, Sabbath and fasting, you know, like (laughs) if you want to launch off into all that, but there's, there's 45 different ways that all of that could go. But I, I do think, and I think that this was, this was a part of one of your other questions. Um, I do think that some of my maybe bias, if you will, or unbiased bias, if that's even a thing, um, toward the news has come from a global perspective of all the mm-hmm. different places that, that I've been. Everywhere that I go, every taxi or every cab or Uber or Bolt or what, you know, wherever I go and I get into these cars or I get into conversations, you know, they say, where are you from? And I'll say USA or something like that. And they'll say, oh, okay. And Every single time, every, I mean, without fail, 10 out of 10 times, they will say, do you like President Biden? Do you like President Obama? How do you, do you wish Hillary was in? Do you, how do you like Trump? Good man uh, or not good man. Or, I mean, it's, it's all over the board and they, they will talk to me about politics and they will talk to me about what they have seen in their newspapers. Mm-hmm. And I can tell what they've seen in their newspapers by the narrative that yeah. that they give to me or they are yeah. the questions that they start asking me. And, um, and I say, well, what do you think about them? I never tell them, you know, because why? Like, I don't yeah. even, some, most days I don't even know how I feel about them. <laughs> I just know that they, that they all need prayer, you know, <laughs> well, every single one of them. And so I'll, they'll say, oh, well, I like that he's doing this for this group of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I like that she wanted to do this for this group of people or, or, the, or this and that and whatever. And I start learning the perspective of other people around the world and what that means for them, because the news really is biased toward how it benefits you. Yeah. That's that's really, that's really how it's, how it's biased or how it's spun. And so with that, um, especially whenever it comes to social media and election season, I just want to get off of social media during election Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm not telling anybody what to do with your life, but your life will be much more peaceful if you severely, increasingly limit, social media during an election season. But, but with that, I really, really try. And I actually, it's, it's not even an effort. It's, it's an absolute in my life. I don't post about politics. Mm -hmm. I don't post about political things. Now that's not to say if you're a Christian and you have chosen politics for your, for your employment or for your job, kudos to you. I'm so glad that you have the capacity and the bandwidth to keep up with all of that because I don't personally. And I'm, that's, that's, we need Christians in politics. I get it. Not against it. But for me personally, like if you are a Christian and you are posting about just political opinion, you're always marginalizing someone. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. always marginalizing someone. You're always uh, leaving someone out. You're, uh, you know, if, if you post hard Republican, you're leaving out the Democrats. If you post hard Democrat, you're leaving out the Republicans. If you post hard Kanye, you're leaving a lot of people out. You know, like you're just you're, you're, you're just leaving a lot of people out. Jesus did not leave people out. 
Mm-hmm. He just didn't do it. That's just something he didn't do. He said, Simon the Zealot, come over here. Let's talk. Matthew the tax collector, let's come over here. Let's talk. Let's talk. Nathaniel, you've got a lot of experience in this stuff. Come over. Come sit down. Let's let's talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So whenever it comes to world influences with, with things that I've seen in the news, it's, the, it's much the same as America. They all have their personal perspective of how that's going to affect them, mm-hmm. of, of how that that's going to shape their worldview. And first and foremost, we're not agents of America. We're agents mm. of Jesus. Whew. We're not agents even of Denmark. We're agents of Jesus. Like before you are an American, you are a Christian, period. Mm-hmm. And like if the Bill of Rights dictates your life more than the Bible, there's an issue. Mm-hmm. There's just an, if you claim to be a Christian, I might have some friends listening that that they don't claim to be a Christian. That's fine, but mm-hmm. if you claim to be a Christian and any other document or any other system dictates your life more than the Bible, we have some things that aren't adding up there. Yeah, and it's just very important to remember. Yeah, Whew. I mean, I think that's um, that sums it up. Like. Uh, one of the questions that we're asking this season is like, how does this topic impact our influence in the kingdom? And like, that's the all we've talked about. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you that question because that's all that we've talked about is yeah, like, yeah. it's love. And if you, if what you're consuming and how you're interacting with the news and politics and current events is impacting your love in a negative way, then that's impact. That's, you're losing impact and losing influence in the kingdom, like period. Um because we are a kingdom of love and that's what we're supposed to be about. Right. Oof. Right. Yikes. Hmm. Well, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? I have so many thoughts. I mean, <laughs> I have, I have so many thoughts. I do know that election season is upon us. I, I do know that. And I do know that, we are in the end times. And I mean, I'm not here to have the like pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib conversation. I'm not here to have that conversation because my position is he's coming. Yeah. His, his word says he's coming. He's, he's on the way. Um, I do know that we are, we are in the end times and the news can sway us in so many different ways. But especially with this election season, it is important to turn off everything and get alone with God and say, God, wash my mind, mm. cleanse my mind. Lord, give me opportunities to come in contact with people from all parties and all sides that need you, that want more of you, and help me direct them to you. Mm-hmm. Help me direct them to you. Whenever someone asks me, God, how I'm voting or what I'm doing, Lord, help, help me direct them to the king and not a candidate. Help, mm-hmm. help, help me direct them to prayer, to community and communion with you. And I just, I, I just feel truly increasingly that yes, you know, the news is going to get some of the stuff right. It's probably good to know when a hurricane's coming. <laughs> but if you want to know what's really going on in the world, get in a prayer closet and say, okay, God, what's, what is your heart toward Indonesia right now? Mm-hmm. What is your heart toward Vladimir Putin right now. Mm. How how do you want me to pray for him? Mm. What angels do you want me to send to him to reveal to him that wow, wow, he's I, I'm not the king of the world. Mm. You know, I I just feel like with heaven on our side, we could get a whole lot farther 
than our opinions and our thumbs on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, what have you. Yeah. Ooh, got to remember it. Got to remember it and do it. Uh, well, I appreciate you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your heart with this. Hello. Hey. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm just so complicated. You're not, it's, it's not you like literally. So I already have the record going because, because I want to get this part of the conversation. <laughs> so okay. for our listeners who um, are confused as to what just happened and why your video went away and why maybe we sound different, it is because as we were recording the episode and we were wrapping up, something happened with our platform that we were using. And it turns out it looks like they were being hacked, like literally <laughs> in the middle of our call. <laughs> Which should not surprise any of us, but notoriously me. So <laughs> there is that. So we did not get to have our final question of the show, which we always ask. And I asked you to come back and uh, we'll record this real quick and, and add it to the podcast because I was, I was thinking, well, we'll just let it go. It's okay. And my husband said, no, every single episode of this show has had this question. And so we have to get it back. So, um, <laughs> so to wrap us up, what is a good question you're asking yourself lately? So the last time I was on this show, um, I was newly married and the question that I was asking myself was, what's for dinner? Yes. I would just like to report that I'm still asking myself <laughs> that question every single day. Uh, what's for dinner? How am I going to feed my husband? Because I, again, and I think I said this last time, but I'm saying this again this time. I can survive off of Ritz and saltine crackers. Mm -hmm. 100%. I'm learning that that man cannot. Um, nor should he. Nor should he. <laughs> Nor should another, you, for that matter. But <laughs> nor should I. But we're, we're just gonna like totally avoid um, <laughs> my, my nutrition facts at this time. <sighs> One question that I am seriously asking myself is: How am I observing the Sabbath? Mm. There was a pastor in Nashville. Um, I was listening to a podcast, Annie F. Downs, actually, and it's her pastor that asked her this question or posed this statement to her that said. Um, oh man, and I'm going to butcher it right now, but I think about it. It lives rent free in my head all the time. This is a summary to the effect of we cannot do anything in seven days that God could not do in six. So the question that I'm asking myself regularly is how are you Sabbathing? How are you making room to Sabbath? How are you finding baseline? How are you stopping and resting because we just have this view in America that we can just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny. We glorify busy. And that is just not the way of the Lord. That's not even what he practiced, you know, the first, what, seven-ish days um, that the earth was in existence. Mm -hmm. So how in the world do we think that we can get more done than he could in six days? So I'm really asking myself um, how I'm making boundaries to do that. And how I am making that a necessity or am I just making more of my productivity a necessity? So that's yeah. the question I'm asking myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And you're not the first person that has brought that up in this season of the podcast. Like um, when we were talking with Shelly Kuhn of The Goodness Margin, we talked about 
margin. And then we started talking, leaning into rest. And so she's since posted about, um, some things on her own page about how she and her husband are trying to incorporate rest. And she and I talked a little bit, I think it might've been after we stopped recording, but we talked about how we almost feel guilty. Like you almost feel embarrassed when you start talking about how, like I'm, I'm implementing this practice of Sabbath, but the way I've, I've tried to think about it and I'm with you, like, I'm not, uh, actively, implementing this in a way that I feel like is probably even fully, um, what I need to be doing. But I've thought about it in terms of like our tithe. Oh yeah. Like I've learned over the course of my life, over our marriage, like even whenever I was single, God can do more with, with 90% than I can do with a hundred. Like if I give him what I'm supposed to give him, it multiplies in ways that I cannot explain. Like mathematically does not make sense. And so the same thing has to be true about our time and our energy. And if the Lord is saying, I want you to give me this time and I want you to honor me by resting the body that I gave you and the mind, then, then we have to believe that he's going to multiply that energy and that productivity and the work in the other days. Um, Right. But man, it's hard. It's so hard. I have two books to recommend. Um, I don't, fully get behind every single thing that these two authors say. Um, but probably about 95% of it I do. So just, a just a disclaimer there for all of the people, um, the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer changed my life. Um, he has a very big love for wine, which I do not share. Um, <laughs> he, he expresses that, uh, throughout the book. I do not share that same love, but, um, he, he does. And so I wanted people that do not share that same love to understand that. And then from a physician's perspective of the benefits of Sabbath, it's called 24-6 by Dr. Matthew Sleeth. And that book was extraordinary in showing me um, the physical benefits of Sabbath and all that we're missing out on. So just if anybody needs some book recommendations, those are the two that I'm going to recommend first and furiously. Well, that is awesome. And this is great because now, uh, last time you left the podcast, we already had a a new topic to talk about the next time you came back. And so now we have another one. Uh, when we get around to doing a Sabbath episode, I know who to call. So, oh, let's go. Let's go. I am ready. Well, it's been so great chatting with you. Thank you for coming back to do our final question. Thank you for all the wonderful thoughts that you shared about loving our neighbors and, uh, how our, consumption of news and media and politics should push us towards more radical love. I've been thinking about it ever since we talked. And so I really, really just appreciate your perspective on things. And yeah, it's always fun talking to you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And I'm ready to come back anytime. (laughs) Okay. First, I just have to say, I still cannot get over that we were recording live when the website we use was being hacked. That is just crazy. It's a recording to remember for sure. But aside from that absolute insanity, the thing that has stayed with me from this conversation is this question. Is the media I'm consuming leading me to love people like Jesus or to see them as my enemy? When you look through that lens at the news cycle, the media landscape, whether it's traditional newspapers and radio and TV news or clickbait headlines and influencers that are sharing topics on social media, it really does change your perspective. You start to notice where divisiveness and animosity is being sown 
and how easily we as human beings can be manipulated by emotion and sensationalism. It gives me a greater understanding of my need to be in the word, like we talked about back on episode one, saturating my mind in the truth so I can remember that my mission here is to love God and love people. I hope that sticks with you too, because I truly believe that a revolution of Christ-like love is the only thing that can make a true and lasting impact on this world. I'm so grateful to Kay for having these conversations with me. I'd love to hear what you're taking away from this one. You can come share your thoughts with us on Instagram. The podcast is at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook or send us an email, goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who has made sure we keep our streak going of always asking our final question is my husband, Dave Tandra. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.